Alright, praise God. You know, it's uh it seems like just yesterday, you know, we were talking about preparing for the holidays and you wake up this morning and you look at the date and you see it's January twenty eighth and two thousand eighteen. You know, I can't believe we're already pretty much through the first uh the first month of the new year. And one of the things that I like to do is the last couple of months throughout the year and the first month of the new year, I always like to kind of go back and I do some do some reflecting. Um, and I don't just reflect on the previous year and what's happened in the previous year, but I also kind of look back on many years before that and I just kind of look at what are the different things that God has brought me through. And then I look forward to the next year and just think, what are some other challenges that might be coming up um, that, that, I, that God has kind of given me a little bit of a, a hint towards that might be coming. And then start looking at, am I where I feel like I want to be in terms of my walk with, 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 with God coming up the next year. And then what is it that I actually need to do uh, to be able to get back on track? So it's never a bad thing, especially you know, during the first month of the new year when you start saying, well, here's all the things that I want to accomplish during 2018 or whether, whatever that new year might be. It's never a bad thing during that first month to really see the goals that you've established for yourself. What kind of progress are you making towards those? Okay, whether it's something in your life financially, whether it's something with in your, the, the workplace, spiritually, especially in terms of walking, um, in terms of walking with God, it's never a bad thing to do that because, as you can see, this first month has flown by, and I don't want to see not by a show of hands, but the question I have for you guys is, how many of you are actually making progress towards what you want to accomplish uh, this year? Okay, so don't raise your hand or anything like that. But I know for me, um, you know, I'm not where I feel like I want it to be um, by the by this time during the month, and so it's always a good time to kind of look at different goals and start uh, start establishing those things for yourself. So this year, um, and one of the things that I'm going to talk about today is actually we're going to talk about our destiny and purpose in terms of God's purpose for our life. A lot of times when you, th- when you hear the word destiny, it's usually related to man's destiny, which is using your knowledge and your skills and your abilities to do the things that you want to do versus God's destiny and God's purpose for your life, which is God saying you have knowledge, skills, and ability that I see because I created you. You don't see those things, but I'm going to bring those things out if you just let me do my if you just let me do my thing so to speak if you just surrender yourself to me I'm going to show you some skills that you have that you have no idea that even exist in you but it requires us to be uncomfortable it requires us to let go of things it requires us to really understand who God is and and really look at what is our vision of God when you think about who God is do you just think of him as some mysterious force that's in existence somewhere out in the far reaches of space or somewhere where that you will never actually see him or do you actually think of him being a powerful being that actually has feelings and no matter what you go through in life no matter what mistakes you make he always has your best interests at heart no matter how many people are in your inner circle no matter how many family and friends that you have no matter what mistakes you make God always has your best interest in heart and he will always tell you the right things to do um, regardless of what anyone else, uh, whatever, whatever, regardless of what anyone else might say, okay? Destiny in man's eyes is about going to school. It's about going to seminars. It's about going to training. It's about reading. It's about having mentors. And it's about doing all of this stuff that the world wants you to do to be able to be successful in, in your life. 
in God's, in God's eyes, in reaching his destiny and our purpose in, in our lives, the only person that you need to know is God. And the only training you need to have is in the word of God. If we've all heard probably in the business world or, or, or somewhere that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Right? So if I'm connected to the right person, then the doors are going to open up and all these opportunities are going to happen. A lot of these multi-million dollar and multi-billion dollar businesses have gotten to where they are because what they will say is, oh yeah, I just happen to be at the right place at the right time and I talked to the right person and the right opportunity came up. But when it comes to God, it's he's the only one that you have to know because he will point you in the direction that you need to go. He will tell you who you need to talk to, when you need to talk to, to that person, and then what you need to do and when you actually uh, when you actually when you actually need to do it the only education and knowledge you need is as i said earlier is having knowledge of the word of god so for 2018 for this year coming up we have 11 months obviously left in 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 this year so if you think about it it really isn't that much time but you do have some time to look at what where is it that god wants you to be and start making a plan to to actually get closer to god's destiny in your life there's four main points that I'm going to cover today so that we can make sure that we actually reach God's purpose in our life. And the first one is going to be surrendering. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. One of the things this morning when I was uh, <clears throat> when I was praying that God was kind of pointing out uh, when it comes down to surrendering, and I didn't really understand didn't understand this until He started talking to me a little bit more, and I started asking some questions like, "Lord, why are you placing this on my heart?" And one of the things that we do uh, in this ministry is we always we always refer to the Word of God anytime you hear a message being delivered either from the pulpit or if you attend Bible study. There's always looking at what it says in the Word of God um, because it's not about what any man can say. And as Pastor said earlier, you know, no one is perfect. You know, everybody has ma- everybody makes mistakes. Um, I've certainly been in. Um, remember, I was in a ministry back east there, and the pastor was definitely Holy Spirit filled, and one of the the early messages that I that I heard when I went there, you know, he made reference to scripture, and while he was talking, I went to the scripture. And I said, oh, "That scripture, that's not what that scripture says." And so I made a note of it, and I went home and I prayed about it, and I asked God, "I said, Lord, what's going on here with that?" And what, I, what He placed on my heart was, He just made a mistake. He got the words right, but it wasn't the right chapter, and it wasn't the right verse. And then God showed me where that scripture was that was in it. And I said, "Okay." And so what He pointed out to me was, "You got to remember something. Nobody is perfect." Okay, if somebody's standing up there preaching, it doesn't mean that that person is perfect. They make mistakes as well. But there's a difference if you're focusing on God and you have Holy Spirit within you to know whether or not somebody made a mistake by accident or they're purposely trying to deceive you. And what I got from that particular message at that time was, no, he was not trying to be deceitful. He literally just made made a mistake. And so surrendering and part of surrendering is understanding that when you come to church, okay. If you're not bringing your Bible and if you're not following along with what's being said by whoever's up there delivering the message, you could end up surrendering yourself to what an individual is saying versus surrendering yourself to what the Word of God says. Okay? If you're not bringing your Bible to church, what's the chances of you actually reading your Bible when you are at home? 
Okay? The word of God says, study to show thyself approved. How can you study something if you don't have the literature in front of you, if you don't have the textbook in front of you, to be able to figure out what does that actual textbook say? Okay? When you're in school, or if you're in school now, or if you were in school, okay, how easy, what, how, how could you pass a, an exam or pass a class if you actually went to the lecture but you never took notes? If you never went to the practicals afterwards and actually opened up the textbook to see that if the professor said, well, here's the equation to solve this and to solve that. If you never actually opened up that textbook to see that equation, how do you know that he's actually right? Or how do you know that she's actually right? That's why you have the books going to class. That's why they should be referencing those books while you're in, while you're in class, okay? It's no different when it, comes, when it comes down to the Word of God. God wrote this book. He's the ultimate professor of this textbook. So how is it that if you... Understanding that God does not communicate the way humans communicate, the way we communicate with each other. So the way that you're sitting here right now and you're listening to my voice and you know it's me talking. The way that you can see me and you can see my gestures and you know that I'm communicating. Knowing that God doesn't communicate that way, he communicates a little bit differently. How can you distinguish his voice when he, you can't see him and you don't hear him the way you hear a human being, how can you differentiate his voice from a man's voice if you're not picking up the word of God and actually reading it? Okay? So, when, so anytime, if you're listening to this by, by podcast, what I encourage you to do is, you know, if you're in the office somewhere and you can't crack your Bible open to listen to, to, listen to this message, write down the scriptures that we're going to be covering today so you can reference them later. If you're in the car driving, obviously don't try to take your Bible out and take notes while you're driving. You know, I don't want you to get into an accident or get in trouble with law enforcement. But I suggest that you play this back and, you, again, you capture the scriptures that are, being, uh, that are being covered today because it's important to know, to see the things that, are going to, that you're going to hear today. It's important to reference those in scripture and see what the word of God says. Okay, so again, the first point of the four main points that I'm going to cover today is surrendering. So we're in Luke chapter nine, verse fifty-seven. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, "Lord, I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him, "Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." I want you to underline all the fifty-eight. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want you to underline that there in verse 62. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things here to unpack. And I'm going to start there in verses 57 and 58 because there is something that's pretty critical that we miss when we talk about following God. Okay, uh, the last couple of messages, um, Pastor had given you, you heard about you letting go. Okay, what's that you have in your hand and being able to let let go of those things so that you can follow God. Earlier today, the the prophecy that that, that came forward was about waking up early and, and arising in the wee hours uh, and seeking God's face. Okay. One of the things that you might have to let go of your life is sleep. Amen. Okay. One of the things you might have to let go in your life is sleep. I don't care what the scientists say. 
about how much sleep the human body is supposed to need. God created the human body. He knows how much sleep the body needs. Okay? I can tell you that when I really grasped onto the fact of how much I like to get my sleep, okay? Um, and as someone that likes to work out, I understand that, you know, in order to gain the benefits, you got to get the eight to nine hours of sleep. But I can tell you that I don't know when the last time I actually had eight hours of sleep. Usually I get about four to five hours of sleep, and anything more than that, I just can't function. I'm still tired. And when I grasped that concept, what I understood was when God wakes you up, it's time to get up. Okay, it's time to get up and it's time to seek his face. It's not uncommon for me to put a 12 hour day in at the office while only by being up at three o'clock in the morning. Okay, I have done that on plenty of occasions. And what has happened is that three o'clock on the dot, not 301, not 259, 301 on the dot. I could be laying there and asleep and literally my eyes would just go like that. I'm not jumping up. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? My heart's not fluttering or anything like that. But it's literally just open up, open my eyes, and I can feel a pull. I need to talk to you. Okay? Come seek me. I need to talk to you. I'll quietly get out of bed, grab my iPad, go downstairs, close the basement door, and then I just start reading reading the Word and seeing what it is that God has to tell me. I have no idea how much time usually goes by. I just know when it's time to come to a close, when he says, okay, that's enough for today. The next step I do is I then I do my workout, then I get ready and I go to the office. Ten to twelve hours, I come back, spend time with the family, and now I have to worry about ever getting any kind of sleep. Can function perfectly fine. And then when I add it up, all, all in all, I look at it and say, wow, that was about an 18-hour day. Amen. Can't believe that, you know. But see, God knows exactly what you need. So if he wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, instead of tossing and turning and trying to go back to sleep, because I'm sure we've all been there, where you toss and turn and you try to go back to sleep, and when you start to fall asleep, it's about 10 minutes before your alarm clock goes off, right? So you spent two hours doing nothing, well, that's two hours that you could have spent with God. If he's waking you up, go seek what he see, what he has to say to you, Amen. okay? Because he knows that if I'm waking you up at 3 o'clock in the morning to talk to you, I have something that you need to hear that could impact your day. I know how much sleep you need. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. I'll get you that sleep. You'll get the rest that you actually need. And it might be when, when Pastor was talking earlier um, about, um, you know, you, you don't know. You don't know what's happening, but God knows what's happening. Okay? And if you think about, all right, I'm... I want to, I want to do this and, and I want to do this, but I gotta let go, I gotta let go. If you get to yourself to the point of really just truly letting go and truly surrendering, you'll see how God can start moving things, start moving you in, in your life. How He can start setting you up to reach that, that, that destiny or whatever it is that God has planned out for your life. If you can get yourself to the point of saying, the things that I want to do, I'm going to sacrifice it and let God take, let God take care of it. I'm going to sacrifice the sleep. I'm going to sacrifice, um, uh, the time watching TV or sacrificing movies or sacrificing that strawberry shortcake. Pastor <laughs> always likes to, likes to point out. For me, it's usually apple pie or something like that. You know, being able to sacrifice those things because God can actually replace that with something that He wants to replace it with. That's the whole. And I won't get into fasting, but that's the whole idea around fasting. Is you give up something that you really, 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 really want to do, and you replace it with with either studying or praying or, or reading the word of or reading the word of God. Okay. Now. There's also something else in here when, talk, when following God that's, that's critical. And what Jesus is saying here is when he says, Foxes have a hole and birds have nests, but the, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay? The reason why foxes have holes and the reason why birds have nests is because it's a place of safety for them. 
it's a place of familiarity to them, all right? Birds will lay eggs in their nest because the chances of a predator getting up there are slim to none. The, 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 the baby birds, when they're born, they're, it's that they're at home, they're with the bird, they're okay. Foxes have the holes because that's where they go into to, to keep themselves safe. Um, the military, they build foxholes, foxholes. Okay, um, and it goes way back in time in history when they started actually building those fox foxholes and putting their supplies in there, and that's where they would sleep. And I believe it was um, I forget what I forget where it was in Germany when we when we were at war, but it's actually documented cases of the enemy crossing lines over into the U.S. side because the foxholes were so deep that they didn't realize that they actually crossed over in the, into U.S. territory where soldiers were stationed. It's a place of safety. It's a place of familiarity. When it comes down to following God and what happened to Jesus as well is you have to understand that when God calls you to do something, he's going to pull you out of, a, a, out of your safety nest. Okay, he's going to pull you out of a place that's that's familiar and a place that's comfortable for you. And he's going to have you go from being all the way over here to being over in unfamiliar territory. Okay, Jesus was unfamiliar territory for all of his life while he was while he was on this earth. Okay, so when Jesus is saying that the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, what he's saying is that there's no place of comfort for me. Okay, I'm looking around here. There's no place for me to be comfortable. There's no place for me to, quote unquote, be safe. Before Jesus was born to the time that he actually gave up his life, they were after him to try to kill him. Okay, but he was out and he still said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sacrifice this because I know what God's calling is for my life. I know what my father wants me to do. And no matter what, I'm going to do that, even if it means that I have to surrender a familiar place. Not being in a familiar place can be extremely scary because you don't have the safety that you are used to. Safety doesn't always mean physical threat to your, to your body, but it could be a threat to your finances. It could be a threat to your job. And it could be a threat to the place that you live. Now, it doesn't necessarily, again, mean that, that, that the neighborhood that you're in is gang infested and people are moving in and they're going to blow up your house or you got terrorists that are moving in on the block or anything like that. But it could be that the home that you're living in right now is not suitable for what God wants to, to have for you and your family. Okay, It's not in a neighborhood that he actually has in mind for you and your family to be able to raise your kids. Maybe it's too small. Maybe it's too old. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. It could have some headaches that come along with it or headaches that you're already experiencing. And what God is trying to do is to say, it's comfortable to stay where you are. It's comfortable to not have to look at all of this stuff that you have that you have to pack up and find movers and put in a 30-day notice or whatever or whatever it is. It's comfortable to do all those things. But if you want to get to where I'm going to have you to be, I need you to look at all of that stuff, get that stuff packed up, call over movers, go searching for a house, and get ready to take this physical move from this house into this house. Because when you do that, then I'm going to be able to start working some miracles in your life. I'm going to be able to do things in your life that you had no idea that I can actually do okay it could be that God is calling you to leave a job that you are familiar with to do something else okay it could also mean um, we lost my place here for a minute um, it, it could also mean that you give up spending money on certain things so that you can give to your ministry 
or that you can give to the, the poor, you can give to the needy. It could mean that you stop holding on to money so much, like like if you lose a couple of bucks, that all of a sudden life is gonna, it, it, it's just, the bottom is gonna fall out underneath you, and that it's gonna be the end of the world. It could be, you know what? You need to reprioritize. When Pastor was talking earlier about looking inward, okay, and giving up those things and understanding that this is hard for me to do, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to do that. That could simply mean that those twenty bucks that you would normally spend on something else that you don't actually need maybe it's you know what why don't you go ahead and give that to someone else okay yeah i remember um several years ago um i was talking with a talking with a friend um this person had asked me about you know in 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 the workplace you know but how do people feel about you know how you dress in the workplace you know and and everything and i said well what do you mean i said well do do managers actually look at that i said i I can't speak for all managers i said but it makes a difference you know how how you show up to work i said i've always been taught that however you dress to work you're interviewing for your next job so if you don't show up to work dressing in a professional manner regardless if the company has a, a a dress code or not people do see that and while they may not say anything they're drawing conclusions from that because all you really have is you look at literature you you have about 10 seconds to make an impression on someone so when you look at how you're dressing in the workplace what i was explaining to this individual is i said yes that makes a difference they said well i just don't have the funds to do this and don't have the funds to do that and i knew this person on a personal level and so they shared some things with me that's so what i did i challenged them because i felt that's what god was telling me to do and i said well you know i said to build a wardrobe of professional clothing i said what if you gave up buying this as your treat and started buying this in your wardrobe and I said huh and they started they struggled with that a little bit and I said I said you think about that for a minute and I said as you're working through 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 your you're working out and you're meeting these goals and you're you're wanting to teach your, you want to treat, treat yourself for doing well you want to dress professionally instead of buying this why don't you start building your wardrobe many different places you can go so sometimes that sacrifice and that taking you out of your comfort zone is really giving up the things that you would normally do to do the things that God wants you to do. And remembering that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So God could be calling you to seek a promotion and to step out and take a risk. But if you're fearful of the fact that, well, I don't know those people over there and I just want to sit back and wait for something to happen... You're never going to get to where God wants you to be in his timing. Because there is a time to wait and then there's a time to actually take action. Okay? The word of God says, I'll show you my faith by my works. So there are times you can have faith, but sitting back and doing nothing is not faith. You still have to do something. And I've spoken with many people that have said, yeah, that person hasn't ever shown interest in my work, so I don't want to pursue a promotion over there. I'll wait until they approach me. Ten years later, they're still in the same exact position. Okay, and then they're complaining. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get that? Because they're allowing that spirit of fear to to keep them from moving forward. Okay, in verses uh, fifty nine um, to sixty two, recognizing that following God it comes with a price. Okay, you need to leave behind your old ways. You need to leave behind the past, and it takes commitment if you truly want to begin reaching your destiny in God. And so in 2018, if you want to get to your goals with God, following God this year, you need to be able to, you need to give up what you've always done and do something different. Because if you continually do what you've always done, you will constantly get what you've always gotten. Amen. 
and that's not the greatest English, but I think you know what I mean, okay? All right? We like to say that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, that's insanity. You're not gonna get the, you're not gonna get a different result, okay? So for 2018, it's time to shake up your, your routine and do something, uh, do something different. There's a difference between commitment and interest. And in verse 62, Jesus says, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying is that if you're interested in following me, there's no place for you in the kingdom of God. So what's the difference between interest and commitment? Well, interest is doing things when it's convenient for you. It's doing it based off of your timeline when you have time. Commitment is jumping in with both feet and sacrificing and being able to say, you know what? This is going to be a little bit tough. It's going to take a little bit more effort. So I'm going to put whatever effort it is into it so that I can understand it. Interest is, you know what? My schedule, I've got this, 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 and this. I might be able to squeeze 10 minutes in to work on that. That's interest. So what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to be interested in me and not going to be committed to me, then there's no place for you in the kingdom of heaven. The word of God also says, God says, I wish that you were hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So being hot for God means that you're committed to God. It means that you're committed to doing what he's actually telling you to do and you're going to sacrifice everything that was in the past. You're going to constantly look forward and you're going to put your hand to the plow and you're not going to look back. You're not going to be like the Israelites, which is I find is, is, is mind-boggling how they could be beaten and tortured and yet and still be delivered from that and then want to go back to it because things got tough. Okay, so commitment is when you start walking through the fire, it doesn't matter. You're never going to look back and think that your previous life was better than what it is now, because now you're living under an illusion. Okay, the times in my life when I wasn't following God the way that I should have been, I was under the illusion that life was so easy. And when I when I reflected back on that, what I found was the reason why life felt so easy was because the things that I should have been doing, I just said, man, who cares? I'm not going to do it. But those things always kind of stayed in the back of my mind. You should be doing this, Brandon. You should stop doing this, Brandon. You need to do this. You need to do this. And my mind, it was, man, sweep it under the rug. I'm not even going to worry about it, okay? But what I found now, life is actually easier now because it's, okay, Lord, you need me to do this. What does your word say about this? Okay, trust in you. Do this. Do that. Okay, bang. It's easy. Now I don't have to figure it out because God is the master planner. He's the, he's the ultimate strategist, and he's always thinking at a 60,000-foot view. He has his eyes on the entire universe. So for me to be able to have to come up with a plan on to do things in my life on every single hour of the day, every single moment of the day, versus saying, okay, Lord, here's the vision that I have. How does this line up with your vision? Okay? How do I bring those two together? Because I want my vision to be your vision. And then once I understand what his vision is for my life and what his purpose is for my life, then it's simply, Lord, what do I need to do today to get closer to that? That's a lot easier than trying to sit down and come up with a project plan and do all of this stuff. And I've tried that before, and I can tell you, yeah, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> okay? There's a, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot of things that you, won't, that, that you, that you will miss if you don't give it to God. So again, being committed, knowing no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If God's calling you to serve in any kind of capacity or whatever capacity God is calling you to serve in, put your hands to the plow, move forward, do not look back no matter what. Okay? It takes 100% of every single person, every single party involved in a relationship. God will only give you 100% of himself if you're willing to give 100% of yourself. 
There's no such thing as 50-50, but yet and still you hear people say, oh, it's 50-50. It's not 50-50. You have to show God that you're going to give him 100% of yourself because then he will give 100% of himself. And the beautiful thing about it is God doesn't have those personal walls that people put up to say, I'm not going to let you into my life because I don't want to be hurt again. God doesn't have those walls. So what he's saying is, you want all of me? All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is follow me, and I'm going to give you every single ounce of me, okay? Every single day, every single moment, okay? But it takes 100% commitment on, on our part. Turning your Bibles to Peter 1, 1 uh, Peter chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13. Okay. Peter chapter 2 verse 13. It's probably helpful if I get there myself. I wonder why the words didn't look familiar. <laughs> Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. So what that saying is there is don't try to use um, what it means to be you know, free um, as a way to, to try to manipulate the system, try to manipulate others, and then claim that it's for, it's for the will of God. Okay? For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only, uh, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if, be, if because, you, because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. So this is saying here is that you shouldn't just be gentle and be nice to the people that are nice back to you. You should be like that to everybody, okay? And it doesn't mean that they're going to return that kindness to you. But what God is saying is that if, if Jesus was to walk up to this earth and only go to the people that accepted him and didn't talk to the people that didn't accept him, how would that have possibly changed things right now? Okay, Jesus was sent to, to talk to everyone. Jesus was, had his disciples so that they can preach the word, the word to everybody, not to just the select few, not just to the people that are, are willing to, to listen to him. So what God is saying here is don't sit there and just be nice to the people that are nice to you. You should be nice to everyone. You should be acting godlike to everybody that you come in contact with. It doesn't matter how they treat you. It doesn't matter what they say to you. It doesn't matter what they do to you. Okay, You should be acting in a godlike manner towards them. Them, okay, 
Um, at verse 19 again, for this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Okay. Verse 22 there, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. There's people out there that will always question, you know, whether or not Jesus truly lived a godly, sinless lifestyle. Okay, and they will always say, well, there's gaps in, in this time frame in Jesus' life. The Bible doesn't mention this. The Bible doesn't mention that. Well, how do you know that Jesus was sinless? Well, there you go right there. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Bing, bang, done, end of discussion. It's right there. Okay, so the people that question that obviously have not read that scripture to see that Jesus committed no sin and he did not deceive anybody. Okay, so again, when I was talking earlier about bringing your Bible to church, this is why... We you do that. This is why you have to study the word of God so you can see for yourself what it says. Okay, so right there, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. All right. Surrendering to God also means that you have to recognize that doing good means that you will be criticized by others. Okay, you will be criticized by others because people won't understand what you understand. They won't know why when turmoil is happening everywhere, why you're so calm. They won't understand that when people are talking so bad about you, why you can actually look them in the face and smile and say, hi, good morning, how are you, and actually be interested in that. Why you don't treat people poorly when they treat you poorly. Why you don't look to seek revenge because you know the word of God says that vengeance is mine. Okay? So you don't go out if somebody treats you wrongly. You don't look at, well, how can I best them? How can I do better? How can I hit them a little bit harder with something that I, gotta, that, that I can say? How can I treat them worse than what they're treating me because your mindset is not going to be I want you to feel the way I feel Amen. okay so you will be criticized by others when you're following God but in order to get to God's purpose and, and in order to reach God's destiny you have to be willing to take that criticism you have to be willing to recognize that there are people out there that's that are seeking your uh, they, that, that, that are seeking your destruction and that people are going to be out there and they're going to say that you think that you're better than everybody else just because you decided, no, I'm not going to go to that wild party that you're going to go to. I'm going to stay home. Or I'm not going to go to this event on Sunday morning because I'm going to go to church. Or I'm not going to go and do this. I'm not going to go and do that because the word of God says that I shouldn't be doing those things. They will look at you and they will think that you're better than others. That, that you think that you're better than, uh, better than everyone else. Um, I've certainly been in, at dinners with, 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 uh, with, with teams and, and peers and everything. And, you know, we're off the clock so everybody can, you know, basically act the way that you want to act, so to speak. And being the only one at that table that refused to, refused to purchase any kind of alcohol. Waiter, waiter comes around, hey, what you like to drink? And they're ordering beers and this and they're ordering that and they got all these fruity drinks at the table and I'm fine there sitting there with my glass of ice water. Okay, man, hey, can you bring me another one? <laughs> you know, while they're ordering another beer, hey, I'll take another ice water. You know, while they're ordering margaritas and all those other things and I have no problem sitting there and I can feel the silent judgment of who does this guy think he is? Okay? And I've heard inklings of things that, that people have said, and I say, you know what, I don't even care. Who cares? Because at the end of the day, the whole world could be mad at me, but if God is happy with me, that's all that matters. Okay? So part of surrendering is surrendering the fact that 
people are going or surrendering, um, understanding that people will not like you for following God. But that's a sacrifice that you have to make in order to reach your purpose in, in what God has in store for you. Okay? God also expects, expects us to abide by the rules of the land, the laws of the land, unless the law requires us to disobey God. So you can't go around and just do whatever it is that you feel that you, you want to do because God has laws. Uh, God has asked people to put laws in the land for a reason, to keep some law, to, to keep some order, to keep some structure. So if the speed limit says it's 65 miles an hour and you're coming to church, you shouldn't be going on the highway doing 80 miles an hour and trying to say, well, God wouldn't want me to be late to church, so I'm going to go ahead and drive 80 miles an hour so I can get there on time. Maybe part of the self-reflection that you need to do is understanding that it's time for you to wait, set your alarm clock 30 minutes earlier so you can actually get up and do the speed limit and get to, and get to church on time. Because you still have no problem with making sure you're getting to work on time, so why should you not focus on making sure that you're getting to church on time to do something that's more important than what the, what the world is asking you to do the second point i want to touch on is striving to reach your destiny uh, turn to philippians chapter three so we've talked about surrendering okay you want to reach your destiny in god in 2018 and, and start making uh making steps towards fulfilling god's purpose in your life the first thing you have to do is you have to surrender okay and surrendering could be a lot of things, but it does require some introspection and it requires some looking inward and asking God to reveal to you, what are the things that I actually need to give up? Okay. And then when he tells you to give up those things, actually giving them up. Anyone that's ever exercised or has any kind of workout program knows that you can work out until you're blue in the face. If you don't have the right diet and all those other things, you're not filling your body with the right things, you will never reach the results that you're looking to reach. I don't care how many magic, quote-unquote, magic pills are out there for weight loss and for those things. They don't work, okay? You can take them all day long, but if you're not actually putting in the effort, you will never get to where you need to be. Um, and that, you know, I wasn't going to share this, but I feel in my spirit that I was going to, to, to share this just now, actually. Um, I was remember I was watching a small little documentary uh, about a bodybuilder, you know, that makes millions of dollars and everything. And in this documentary, one of the things that he said was he said, so as you're following me on this, what you won't see is you're not going to see the beautiful condo I have out on Eastern Long Island. So what the documentary did, it showed him walking the streets of Brooklyn, going into the supermarket to buy his groceries. It showed him going into these little small tight stores to buy Tupperware to put his food in. And then it showed him going out to the projects in an apartment that he still has and made all of his food in the, in the apartment in the projects. And so the producers asked him, they said, how come you're not doing this? You know, how come you're not showing, you know, all these other things? And he said, because the problem is people want the success, but they don't want to put the work into it. So what happens is he's there and he's in this in, in his in this little tight apartment. And he's got the burners going. and You can see the sweat pouring down his face and the producers are putting on their short sleeve shirts and everything. And, and he said, you're not hot. He said, look, he said, I remember as a kid growing up getting in the bodybuilding and we didn't have a lot of money. So I remember turning on the stove and the oven and having the oven open because I was trying to lose body fat. I would do my workouts in the kitchen with the oven open so I can lose body fat. So he said he 
it doesn't bother me. He said, but these are the things that people don't see on what I have to do in my life to get to where I am. So for us, when it comes down to following God, a lot of times we want to jump from where we are now to being totally and getting what God has in store for us. But we're not willing to put the work in. We're not willing to put in the blood, sweat and tears, so to speak. We're not willing to to, to sacrifice and to be able to give up to where we want to be. But what we want to do is we just want to wake up and just say, all right, God, I want this, this, this and this. When I close my eyes and wake up the next morning, I want to have all of that. And what God is saying is, no, you're not going to get all of that because you don't understand the work that it needs to go in to get where, where, where it is that I want to have you. Because if you understood that, when the devil tries to come after you and take your stuff, you're going to fight like mad to not let him have it. Okay? Somebody gives you something and you know that they keep giving it to you over and over again, your thought process is going to be, Okay, next time I'm in that situation, I'm just going to go to so-and-so, and they'll give it to me. I'm going to go to them, I'm going to give it to me. I'm going to go to them, and they're going to give it to me. You're not actually putting in the work. You're not actually putting in the effort. So when the devil tries to take your stuff, if God just simply just keeps, okay, here, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm not going to require you to work. As soon as he comes after you to, get to, to, to take it, what you're going to say, okay, devil, go ahead and have it, because I'm just going to grab it from God instead of saying, whoa, hold on a second. That's mine. That belongs to me. That doesn't belong to you. Okay? You're not going to be willing to fight for it. All right? So striving to reach your destiny. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if you in anything, uh, and if any, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that which, uh, Nevertheless, to the the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who, uh, who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, and that it might be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things in himself, to himself, okay? Back in verse 13, or actually verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus, okay? When I was talking about you have to fight, okay, and and, and if you're not willing to put the work in that when the devil comes, you're just going to let him take what you have, pressing toward what God is giving you, pressing toward that goal is much different than having something pull you back, so... Looking forward, all right? When you look forward, what happens is your eyes go, if you if you're, if you've ever watched race car driving or if you even try this, okay, it's very hard 
to look in one direction and walk in another. Naturally, your body goes in the direction that your eyes want to go, okay? Um, when you learn how to drive a car, you know, turning around a corner, that's one of the things they tell you is look into the corner because naturally what your hands will do is your hands will automatically adjust the steering wheel so that you can maintain the right speed going around the corner. And if you start looking off in other directions, the car is going to start to do, to do a zigzag. So if your spiritual eyes are focused on getting the goal and the prize that God has in store for you, then your body, your spiritual body is going to follow that. Your spiritual mind is going to follow that. Your spiritual heart is going to follow that. And when the opposition comes against you, why he's saying press forward is because opposition coming from behind is pretty easy to get away from. Okay, so if somebody were to come and grab me from behind, it's a lot easier for me to get away because I can see where I want to go. And the way the, the, the anatomy of the body works is, is I can I can spread my arms to make myself wider so they can't get a hold. They can't get a hold of me. If they reach down towards my waist, my body naturally can bend forward and it puts a lot of stress on them to try to pull me back as I'm leaning as I'm leaning forward. The, 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 the opposition is going in and they're pulling away from each other. If you come at me forward it's a lot harder because now my vision gets obstructed okay my body naturally has to try to push and move and I got to get whatever is obstacles in front of me I got to get that behind me so I can see my see my way out so when you understand how the devil operates is that he does at times try to hit you and that opposition does come to the to the front and what happens is if you focus on the opposition versus looking past and saying oh that's where I got to go Okay, you're going to end up getting pushed back and get pushed back and get pushed back and get pushed back. So you've got to press towards, you've got to press forward to what that, to, to the prize that Jesus Christ has. You've got to press towards what it is that God's trying to give you. And understand that when you're pressing towards, it takes a lot of energy. Okay, it takes a lot of energy. If, 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 if there was a physical battle between two people like if you ever watch wrestling um the physical wrestling that happens a lot of energy gets expended when people are face to face and they're trying to wrestle because now it's i'm seeing this and i've got to make these adjustments if somebody's behind it it makes it a lot easier for that person to be able to get away okay so understanding that the opposition is in front of you you have to press towards you've got to press towards um the goal for the prize of the upward calling of god in, in christ jesus i find it interesting that it's the upward calling Okay. If you understand how God operates, earlier I said God has his eyes on the entire universe, which means that he's operating at a level much higher than what we typically operate. Okay. It says my ways are, are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my thoughts are higher than yours. So God is the ultimate strategizer. He's ultimately always looking from a strategic level. So what you have to understand is that in order to get to God's purpose in your life, Things have to happen on his time frame and they might not be on yours. You have no idea how something, and you've heard me say this before, you have no idea how something halfway around the world may impact where, when you actually get that blessing in your life. Okay? You never, you never know. So the upward calling is being able to say, all right, Lord, I've got this going on right now here on earth, but I know up in heaven you're doing something else. So my eyes need to stay focused upward because what Jesus is saying is I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here and see what's going on because the view up here is a lot better than the view where that, that's down there. Because if you focus on me and you allow yourself to come up to my level, I can show you and I can give you some glimpses of, you see that thing way out in the distance that looks like it's this big? 
That's what I'm trying to get you. That's what I need to fix. I need to work on that over there. Then I can start sending you in that direction. But also, if you notice all that stuff that's over there that I'm trying to give you, here's the path that's in front of you. Here's all the things that are going to block you from getting there. So I have to work on this, 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 and this before I can get you there. And when you understand that, then what that does for you is that starts to bring you some peace. Because you understand that God has it under control. God has the whole universe under control. I don't know how many times scientists talk about, oh, the universe is doing this, and, you know, we're one catastrophic event away from this. I've been hearing since I was in elementary school, I think it is, that California is one good earthquake away from separating from the rest of the country. And how many earthquakes have they had since then? At the magnitude that they keep talking about, and California is still attached to the country, so it tells you science obviously isn't always correct. So God understands that. God knows what happens with the black holes and all those other things in the universe and meteors and, and having the, 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 um, the solar system and the, and the planets revolving around the sun. He has all of that under control. So if you really understand that he has all that under control, you should be able to look upwards towards his level and understand that he's got, he's got it all handled. The last two points that we're going to talk about here, the next one, and as we start to close here, is going to be staying in the fight. So turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's start in uh, let's start in verse twenty three Hebrews eleven verse twenty three okay. so we've talked about surrendering and ha- making sure that you're giving up the things that God is asking you to give up so that you can reach your destiny in God. We talked about striving towards your destiny and understanding uh, that it's not easy and that you've got to have a, an, upward focus on, uh, an upward focus on God because he's a strategic thinker and he's got everything under control. And then if you can see or if you can get a glimpse of to, to what things look like from his level, you'll realize that things aren't that bad and he's got it under control. And who better to have it under control than him? Now we're going to look at staying in the fight. Okay. So Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 23. And I'll wait for everyone to get there. I think some folks are having a hard time finding Hebrews. (laughs) Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Underline all of verse t- verses 25 and 26. Okay. And I'm going to read 25 again. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Okay. Um, sin may seem like it brings pleasure, pleasure, but it's not long lasting. Okay. All right. And more importantly, it means you're not following God. Okay. 
So to suffer affliction, so to speak, means that you just ha- you're just enduring trials and tribulations, and those are the things that are turning you into, is shaping you to be what God is calling you to be. It's all the test to know that God is saying, you have to fight for this, and I want you to fight for this because there's a battle that's going to be bigger that's going to be coming. And you want this blessing. You want, this to, you want to be delivered from this. I can't deliver this to you until you can show me and demonstrate that you're going to be able to take care of it when I give it to you. Okay? The same way you don't give a child the keys to your car because they're not going to be able to take care of it. They can't operate it. It's the same way God is saying, yeah, I can't give you the keys to this car yet because you haven't even demonstrated that you know how to turn on the ignition. Okay? Something as simple as that. All right? So suffering that affliction is just, is, is a lot better, okay, following God is a lot better than living in sin. While you're living in sin, like I said earlier, it may, it may not feel like you have a lot of challenges, but it's just an illusion until the bottom actually falls out from under you. Then you start to realize that you were living in a lot of sin. So the idea is not to live into, in that sin and to focus on, on God and understanding that the pain and suffering you might be going through now is all going to be worth it in the end. Okay? Verse uh, 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Okay, in verse 27, I want you to underline, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. All right? Don't have any fear as you pursue your destiny, if you, but keep your eyes gaze on he, Jesus, who is invisible. Okay? If your gaze is focused on God, you should not have any kind of fear about anything that's going to be coming your way as you were to reach, uh, reach to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Okay? Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Okay? Think about that for a minute. They passed through the Red Sea... On dry land. So they weren't in a boat. They didn't swim. On dry land. And the Egyptians were drowned as they attempted to, to pursue them. All right? So as you're pursuing your purpose in, in, in God this year, in 2018, know that everything that's coming behind you trying to chase you and that's trying to pull you back, God will wipe it out completely. He will eliminate it. But you have to keep your gaze focused on him. You have to keep your eyes on the upward calling of, of, of Jesus Christ. Okay? Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after, after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she, saw, uh, when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, uh, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to, the, t- turned to flight the armies of the aliens. I want you to underline all of verses, uh, all of verse 33 and 34, because there's a lot there about what faith can do, okay? So if you're going to follow God this year and you're going to get closer to, to having his purpose be fulfilled in your life and get closer to reaching your destiny in God, you have to understand that faith is what's going to get you through that. Faith is going to get you through the challenges. Faith is what's going to turn you into an overcomer. Faith is, the, is what's going to take all those people that are talking about you and that are coming against you and it's going to make them flee from you. 
Okay? It's going to make the devil flee. It's going to make all those demons in hell that are trying to come against you. It's going to make them flee. But you have to understand that by faith, you can do those things. And with Jesus, and with Jesus in your life, there's nothing that you won't be able, you won't be able to accomplish. Okay? There was a famous boxer that once said that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay? And when he started his boxing career, one of the things that he said was that he was always worried about getting punched in the face. And the trainer told him, they said, he said, you have to understand something. Every boxer is going to get hit in the face. So stop trying to get out there and box and not get hit in the face. It's going to happen. And when he started understanding that, he realized, okay, it's a part of the sport. Deal with it. It's what you do after you get hit in the face that makes the most difference, okay? You got to understand that the devil is going to hit you in the face. It's not about when, or it's not about if he will, it's going to be when. And when he does do that, what do you do afterwards? The devil will knock you down. But it's not about how many times he knocks you down, it's about how many times you actually get back up. And the last point is keep getting up. Okay? Many times he will bring you down, but all you have to do is keep telling yourself, I just have to take one more step. I just got to get up one more time. Because what God has in store for you is not going to be easy to obtain. It's going to require a lot of work. It's going to require a lot of commitment. It's going to require you to fight for it. It's going to require you, once you actually have it, to hold on to it and don't let the devil take it, don't let the devil take it from you. Okay? You just got to keep telling yourself one more step. And knowing that every additional step that you take after that is getting you closer and closer to reaching your destiny that God has in store for you. Okay? So 2018... It's going to be about taking back what the devil has stolen. It's about declaring spiritual warfare against the forces of darkness. It will be about tearing down anything that exalts itself above God. Okay? So as we close this out, what I would like everybody to do, I'd like everybody to stand for a minute. So we've all are familiar with the term battle cry, right? And every time you do a battle cry and the enemy hears you, it's designed to have some level of intimidation. All right. In sports, I remember in high school, we always had these a couple of teams that would come out there and they would do some wild and crazy thing and make all this noise to try to intimidate us. And we didn't get intimidated because we knew who we were and we were able to actually win that game. Okay. But what we're going to do is we're going to declare what we're going to declare spiritual warfare against the forces of darkness and we're going to have a a bit of a battle cry and we're going to let the enemy know we're going to let his minions know that we are children of the living God and greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world okay so I'm going to have you repeat something after me and as you do this what I like you to do is I like to close your I like to close I'd like you for you to close your eyes okay if you're in a car somewhere Pull over safe and do this. If you're in a workplace, go out in the parking lot and do this. And don't worry about what they think about you because they already probably think you're crazy uh, for being a Christian. But they're going to know not to mess with you after this. Amen. Okay. Um, I want you to visualize the thing that God, you feel that God is trying to give you. Okay. I want you to see that blessing, whatever that blessing might be. I want you to also see the opposition that's in your way. And I also want you to see the chariots of fire that are around you that God has placed to go and do battle to eliminate that obstacle that's in front of you. Okay? And I want you to shout when you re- and repeat after me. But as you do it, I want you to shout. Because what we're going to do is we're going to make the walls of hell tremble. 
We're going to make the devil scared and have him run. And we're going to have all those demons understand that we, we are not ones to be messed with because we are God's children. And we take this very seriously. And we know that God, that God has our back. Okay? So repeat after me. The battle is already won. The battle is already won. Come on, put some put put some put some oomph into it. The battle is already won. The battle is already won. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In the name of Jesus, I will be victorious. In the name of Jesus, I will be victorious. In the name of Jesus, I am already victorious. In the name of Jesus, I am already victorious. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Go ahead and have a seat. Open your eyes before you sit down. (laughs) Okay. I don't want anybody to fall. All right. If you truly believe what you just said, and if it was really coming from your spirit, Know that the enemy is, is running and is, and is fleeing. Amen. And he's keeping his hands off your stuff. Amen. He's going to be stupid and he's going to try to come back and, and, and take what God has given you. But just remember what we just said today. Okay? And let, them, and, and, and let the enemy know in the name of Jesus that he can't have your stuff. Let him know that he cannot have your blessings. And give everything to God and let God know that whatever it is that he's calling you to do, that you will do it no matter what. Okay? That you will be willing to surrender... Whatever it is that you need to surrender to follow him, that no matter how hard it gets that you will stay in the fight, no matter how hard it is, you will strive to reach your destiny. And no matter how hard you might get hit and get knocked down, that you will keep getting up. Amen. Okay. Amen. Now, as we prepare to close, let's honor God with our tithes and offerings.